This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Right with you, everybody. Hold on. Back in five, four, three. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. We have the MCO Blog Roundtable coming up. Uh, an early arriver is our good friend, uh, Seth Fisher. And Seth. This is the uh, coaching segment great. of the show. Right. Yeah, he, he, he was, uh, he found out about that time that Ira on one of our countdown to kickoff shows, brought some good filter fish in and said, Hey Sam, try this. I, was like, I thought you were my brother, Mr. <laughs> I can't <laughs> how about you have it first, Ira? <laughs> he wasn't gonna have it first. Yeah, so so I think it was nineteen thirty six, Hank Greenberg was uh was going for the home run record, right? The home record was uh, was sixty by Babe Ruth and Greenberg uh his mom said if you hit sixty one home runs, I'll make you sixty one gefilte fish. Greenberg did not hit another home run all year. So was his mom a huge Babe Ruth fan? Because she knew that that's not incentive. Like that's like no, the it's anti. Just, this is how it's always been. That that like for some reason they think we like gefilte fish, and no Jewish man has ever really liked gefilte fish. <laughs> Jewish food is so bad is that, that we literally tell our kids it's job, like an affliction. Does Papa Weintraub like gefilte fish? He likes gefilte fish and liver. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hate that too. So what happened to you, Ira? <laughs> <laughs> I think we get smarter at the next generation. I mean, your dad, he likes the Orioles. You like the Orioles. Oh, yeah, Michigan. I mean, yeah. You like Michigan. Like, what happens with the fish? Sam, you saw the jar. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, no, I'm not even going to get into that because I like hot dogs. I don't want to even disparage hot dogs and make that analogy. It's, yeah, no, we don't, we, Seth's not wrong that some of our food is definitely like the food of our affliction, but we also have some really good food. Like, I mean, bagels are great. Yeah, that was one of the more memorable shows. Now, I obviously did not eat it. Because no. <laughs> you survived the whole show and didn't have a nasty taste in your mouth. And it was. I mean, it looks it's like a wet matzo ball, but then it's made out of fish. Like, who? No, matzo balls are actually not terrible. <laughs> no, no, matzo, matzo balls, balls are, fine. are actually not terrible. Yeah, matzo balls actually fine. But That's like fine. if you look at a wet, cold matzo ball, it does not look enticing. And then if you actually made that out of fish, like what? Who? Whose idea was this? Yeah, that's actually you know what? This is where we probably need Craig. He probably knows the origin of this. This goes way back. He, he probably knows the origin. Of the yeah. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what it was. One of the more memorable uh, Saturday mornings, our <laughs> countdown to kickoff show, which we have a blast on, and I can't wait for this coming season. Ira and I talked about it this morning. I I just I am going to enjoy every week, but there is no week I'm going to enjoy more than that last one of the season, that last <laughs> countdown in the kickoff, countdown to kickoff. Close to the corner statement. What what's the corner now that we're on? Snyder. Snyder, Snyder in Maine. Snyder in Maine, where 
we're going to be talking about Ohio State because, look, I don't think this is like this is, uh, you know, they, that Ryan Day is coaching for his job this year. But if he loses the game this year, this season, definitely think next year, 24, he'll be coaching for his job because the headline, and Ira brought it to my attention. I hadn't seen it before he brought it up. Heather Denich put out a piece on ESPN where Gene Smith he offered his show of support for Ryan Day. And the headline to the story reads, Ohio State AD backs Coach Ryan Day despite losses to Michigan. Ha! Feeling the heat, Seth. He's feeling some heat down there, man. And I'm just telling you, I don't see uh, the defensive improvements uh, in the offseason that's going to make it a whole hell of a lot better. I'm just, I cannot wait. Let me let me tell you how tell far Ryan Day is. Let me tell you how far Ryan Day has fallen. He is doing a podcast, he announced yesterday, with 11 Warriors, which means that's like Jim Harbaugh coming on MGO blog. That's how far he's come. <laughs> That is a Think about fall, context. man. <laughs> this is an amazing wait, 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 wait. context. He could go 11 and 1 over a 4-year span. So he would go 44 and 4. But if those four are season-ending losses to Michigan including not this coming season but the following season in Columbus, he's fired. After he's going fired. 44 and 4 over 4 years, he would get fired. Yeah, man. If your AD has to come out and show you give a show of support, you're in trouble, dude. <laughs> that that's necessary. But wait, so he's a guest on the podcast, or he's no, he's regular- gonna, they're they they're not MGO blog anymore. Like they, we've caught our separate uh, separate directions from Eleven More Years, and like they they're more of a content mill these days. But they're they announced like their NIL collective is going to be a for profit deal with Eleven Warriors, and part of it's a Ryan Day podcast that they're going to have. Ah. I'm I'm like okay, that's, that's a direction. Yeah, be interesting, especially. Especially if you lose to Michigan, that, that'll be an interesting podcast. Yeah. Well, remember he said how much money they needed to invest. You know, they needed for their NIL, so he's probably willing to do whatever it takes to add more money for their NIL. He didn't he talk about Sam how many millions it would take to keep his roster. He sure did. That's what he sure did. All that's right, that's what they're doing. So we need to get to a break so we can bring the rest of the crew on. We got a lot to tackle. We have, of course, the uh, post mortem on the Frozen Four defeat. We will get to. We will look ahead to next season, next season's hockey team. We will talk about Michigan's portal activity on the basketball side of things. It's been a, a flurry of sorts. And what could that mean for one Mr. Hunter Dickinson? A lot to tackle with the MGO Blog Roundtable crew on the other side here. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. You know what we do on Thursdays in the 9 o'clock hour. My guys from MGO Blog come on and we do the MGO Blog Roundtable. Now, we had hoped this would be a celebratory session. We had hoped that we would be have, have a, a banner, a championship banner, uh, virtually behind me. Unfortunately, that was not to be as the Wolverines fell. In the Frozen Four, to recap that, as painful as though it may be, is my friends from MGO Blog starting off with Brian Cook, BC. Good morning. How are you? I mean, I was good, and then you said all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we got to do it. We got to do it. I know, but you know, yeah, nah. it's not fun. Not fun. Uh, Seth, how are you? I'm good. It's beautiful out, so I'm trying to do all the recruiting right now. I fully expected to see like more gray. Yeah, from you this morning. I thought you just you come and just be totally gray after last <laughs> Thursday's game. But we're uh, how are you? I mean, you you sweet summer child. 
Like this is this is Michigan <laughs> hockey. <laughs> you think you think this is new? <laughs> ah, yeah, I hear you, Craig Ross. How are you? I'm doing fine. I, I'm wondering how Brian's skiing adventures went. I didn't ask him that. How did this go? Like you were skiing someplace exotic. Yeah. Well, it was good. I liked it. What do you want me to say? <laughs> All right. It was good. You liked it. Good. I'm glad. It <laughs> I liked it better than the last Thursday. Yeah. Outcome. So I won't belabor the point, but I got to get you guys your your thoughts on what happened why it happened and then of course a happier thing i guess would be to kind of do some projections into next year and whether you think it's a legitimate sort of uh expectation legitimate possibility that anna fantilli comes back that was something that that spath mentioned yesterday that he thinks is a possibility i wonder whether you guys agree but let's just start off with the with the loss to quinnipiac the eventual national champion brian but Boy, it was, uh, you looked at Michigan on the defensive end of the ice, and it was like, man, uh, a lot of pressure on on uh, Eric Portillo, and it was uh, eventually they got home with actually some some soft, some of the softer attempts went through. Well, so, you know, I've been, people have been arguing about this ever since it happened, and for, for my point of view, soft goals override everything else you do in a hockey game. Because even... A pretty good scoring attempt. It's not, you know, like 0.9 expected goals. Like, and you see on replay some of the great Portillo saves are just guys shooting it into his pad. So he's moving across. They've got a window. They've got an opening, and the guy just doesn't lift it or doesn't put it to the side. And the fact that Portillo is six foot six helps there. Um, but you just can't. You just can't get over the fact that you gave up three of the softest goals I've ever seen to the best defensive team in the country. And step one to beating Quinnipiac is don't hit three posts. Step two is don't give up soft goals to the best defensive team in the country. And I don't think that there's any way to characterize three or four of the non-empty net Quinnipiac goals as anything but the softest things you've ever seen. Um, And, you know, they have kind of a rough first period, although I felt that after the first 10 minutes that they pretty much evened it out. I thought they dominated the second period, and then two minutes into the third period, you get a second bank shot goal from behind the, the end line. And, I mean, personally, I don't know if you guys were able to keep it together, but I kind of mm-hmm. lost my mind at that. <laughs> <laughs> because to, for that to happen twice in a single game is just, I've never seen that before, and I hope to never see it again. And yeah. at least not against your team, right? No, and, and sports can be cruel, and this is going to be the cruel reality of Eric Portillo's legacy is he's Billy Sauer now. Like, Billy Sauer had a rough year. Michigan goes to the Frozen Four. He gives up three bad goals in the first period against Notre Dame, and Michigan loses that game. And that's how I remember Billy Sauer, and this is how I'm going to remember Eric Portillo. So question for, you, question for you, uh, Brian. If, if you look at the... And I get what you're saying. He's a big dude, so maybe some of the saves that look like they're spectacular uh, are really made to look more spectacular because he got this big guy, you know, kind of making the move to get in, into position. But it just felt like there was a lot. It felt like there were a lot of shots, and he, he felt like he was getting peppered early. Now that I, doesn't. I, mean, I don't. I mean, they had nine shots in the first period. Michigan had eight, and like they had, I think Quinnipiac controlled the play for the most part in the first period. But 
it wasn't like you know Penn State game early in the year. It wasn't like that Ohio State early game earlier where he's just under siege. Is like they had a number of decent to good opportunities, like maybe a couple great A's. But I don't, I don't think that you can characterize that game as you know the sort of thing where he's keeping Michigan in it. You know, he's making some saves. He gives up a, a goal on a was that a breakaway or was it two on one? It was a two on one. It was a two on one, and like that's that that'll happen, right? But the XG of the shots that Quinnipiac was getting, I don't think was huge, and I, I feel like, I mean, there's some merit to the idea that like, yeah, he made some saves, but he also gave up three bad goals, and that's that overrides pretty much anything that you could do short of being Dominic Hasek. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seth, I, go, go, okay, Craig, go ahead, go ahead. That's okay. Uh, the I, I disagree slightly. I guess I. I mean, the first goal uh, that's the bank shot off him was uh, mystifying that he would be out of the goal uh, so far out of the goal when the puck is behind him, and uh, and that to me was just bizarre. But then I felt in the second period he did a lot to, to get Michigan back, help Michigan get back into that game. And at the end of the second period, I thought, okay, Portillo has played pretty well this period. Uh, they had a couple of odd man breaks that he, that he did shut down, whether they shot it into him or not, I'm not sh- certain. Uh, and, and so it's two, two going in the third. And I thought this is a game Michigan's going to win. And then inexplicably he gives up, that goal again from behind the net where he's too far uh, away from the post and the puck bounces banks off him back into the net. To some extent, I think he's unlucky. To some extent, it was just such terrible goaltending that it it was maddening. And I, 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 my reaction, I suspect was about the same as Brian's at that point. And then he gives up. sound like a whole lot of disagreement so (laughs) far. (laughs) I I felt that he played okay in the second period. Sure. Here's what I likened it to. If you're a quarterback uh, who has three touchdowns in a bowl game, who throws three touchdowns Uh, in a bowl uh, game and throws three howler pick sixes, (laughs) <laughs> we saw that this year, something like No, it. we saw right. two. <laughs> like, yeah. I had another pick six, and that's what that yeah. felt like. Because that, yeah. I mean, that, if you do that, those events just absolutely change the game. And yes, you can do a lot of other great things in the game that helped your team win. But those events are just absolute, just, you know, the, the last game, the last goal, killers. that one that Saucer pass, it's just like they're, they're down one. They have the control of the play. The ice is tilting their way. And then he gives that up on a nothing play off the boards. And it's just like, well, dude, you're the story now. Yeah. 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 I'm afraid that that's true. And so, uh, yeah, it's a maddening game. I wonder, I mean, maybe jumping forward a bit too far. I mean, what does goaltending look like next year? Because Noah West was in the portal. And now he's back out of the portal. He's coming back to Michigan. He's he barely played this year. He looked good one game. He looked not so good another. Um, and then they've got Brandman, who I know little about from the United States Hockey League, whose numbers were okay in the United States Hockey League. But people tell me he's just an ordinary guy. I mean, do you guys have any? But this is what I was going to ask. I mean, yeah. is it, how how good is the transfer portal in hockey? Is like, can you go and get like a an ace goaltender yeah. in the transfer portal? Well, okay. Brown's goalie is currently in the portal. Mm-hmm. And he had a 920 or something. Okay. And West had a 
he started like half the games for Robert Morris a couple years ago, had a 919. Mm-hmm. So if they do end up going with Noah West, I don't think that he'll be like a Wisconsin goalie level disaster. I think he might actually be an improvement on Portillo just based okay. on, I mean, the fact that Portillo had one of the worst 10 save percentages in the year uh, of the year this year. So there are a couple guys in the portal that I think you might see a couple guys uh, uh, shake loose, but I think Michigan should be laser focused on Matthew Karen, who's the, who's the uh, Brown goalie. Okay. Um, what about Brandman? Do you know have any instinct about him? His numbers he's, were okay. He's an overager that they brought in to have a, to have a guy. Like I mean, that's okay. that's a little bit less of an issue for goalies. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a guy who's twenty who's performing in the USHL, you kind of downgrade what you think his performance is. But goalies develop late, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I mean, a guy's got a nine oh one in his his single USHL year, and if you go look at his uh, Swedish numbers they're not great i would not like i would not expect him to be um the starter i think that they're going to hit the portal i think they're going to hit the portal for a defenseman um and just because the they don't really have a whole lot coming in this year because of the whole mel fiasco so they got a couple forwards coming in who i think can be quick uh impact guys particularly nick moldenhauer yeah but uh you know the uh the goalie situation is, I think you you really gotta. He, West is a possibility. I think he'll be decent, but you you're looking at the portal. What so, about uh, Bischel? Doesn't he listen to this show? Doesn't he have another year of eligibility? He does. I think he's going back to Notre Dame. But <laughs> okay. if he wants to come to Michigan, I'm listening. <laughs> so what about what about Adam Fantasy? Hobie Baker. So mm-hmm. let's uh, you know obviously shout that out. I think it's just Michigan's third, right? Wasn't he just Michigan's third? Yes. Third. Kobe winner. All right. And so the best player in college hockey, it, best player in, in other sports is in any other sports who's draft eligible goes. But we've seen in recent years, you know, Michigan's best player certainly could go and and be ready to do his thing in the NHL. Still Power come back. And def- and so it, it yeah. kind of matters on the team that drafts him, which I think Chicago has the second pick. So if Chicago drafts him, they'd be smart to leave him in the uh, leave him in college for a year if he wants to stick around, just because Chicago would be ideal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because like they they, they need to they hate spending year. money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they hate spending money. They got terrible ownership. They and, and like I mean the Seth's right. Like the logical thing for a team like Chicago to do is leave Adam Fantilli in college mm-hmm. another year, tank. 10. Get another real high pick, mm-hmm. and then sign everybody and try to have a window of competition. And the way the CBA works in in the NHL is that you gotta be 27 to be a free agent, unless you have I think it's seven years of accrued time. So if you're signing Adam Fantilli right out of out of out of college this year, you're losing his 26 and 27 years. And if you're asking me. Do I want Adam Fantilli for a non-competitive year that we're going to have next year, or do I want him possibly under team control for another couple of years when we might be pretty good down the road? That's a no-brainer. But you know, teams don't always think like that. Don't often think like that. There's time pressure. You got to show improvement, otherwise you're going to get fired. That kind of stuff. They don't think long term. So, the, but the Blackhawks, <laughs> the Blackhawks. 
God right, bless the Blackhawks. The problem is yeah, the, the Blackhawks are idiots. The, the problem is the Blackhawks the, well, yeah. from the top to the bottom are morons. And one of the but, things they like to do is draft <laughs> a guy and then sell the jersey because that's all they're ever going to get out of him. And that's kind of what I'm worried they're going to do. Well, I mean, they they were going to leave, I think, Frank Nazar for another year anyway. Mm-hmm. And he had an injury. But even before he got hurt, there was a lot of talk from Chicago that they were just going to leave him in college for another year. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it really probably is up to the team that drafts him more than anything else. I think Fantilli has uh, uh, Seth has a little bit of insider information that indicates that Fantilli isn't completely out the door. Um, he's uh, registered for some classes at Michigan, that kind of thing. So I think that it's the doors open, and we'll have to see what the team that drafts him wants to do. Um, well, if Fantilli comes back, Michigan will, and they can, you know, get goaltending next year Michigan should should be right there again I mean they lose Samus Kevich but I think Moldenhauer might be fairly sideways with Samus Kevich I mean I think there's there well similar abilities (laughs) I mean I think Moldenhauer will be good I think asking him to be sophomore Samus Kevich is a little bit much but freshman Mm -hmm. Samus Kevich sure Mm -hmm. and then you're going to get McGordy back that's already been decided you're probably going to get Brindley back I think both those guys take big steps forward Mm -hmm. I think TJ Hughes is going to be a good player for a long time here at Michigan (laughs) you still got Duke you're going to have a healthy Frank Nazar and you know Nazar made some impact after he came back, but it was clear that he wasn't the same player. He's still not all the way back. It'll take a summer for him to get there. And then Seamus Casey was insanely good against Quinnipiac, and I think that might presage another a season where he's like your star defenseman. You get Edwards back. You should get Truscott back. That's another guy who uh, NHL guys who follow. I, I forget who he's drafted by. Maybe the Jets, but uh, athletic guys, athletic.com guys, I should say, for the Jets. Have said that they expect that Truscott will return to Michigan and probably be the captain. So, Canucks. if they can pick up Ryan Seedham, who's a guy who's transferring out of Harvard after being on their top pairing because the Ivy League won't let him continue playing at Harvard. Um, oh, that's, that's right. Because you, yeah, you, you can't be a grad player. At, right. And so, Ivy's, right? Your, top, your top two pairings are probably Truscott and Casey and then Ethan Edwards and Seedham. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, anything coming in in this recruiting class? Yeah, Moldenhauer is a third round pick of last year, but his draft year, uh, he was just injured. He had the weirdest, worst draft year, and he's been crushing it in the USHL mm-hmm. in a way that makes you think that he'll come in and immediately be a scoring line player. That's a guy who Narado picked up late. Um, and that's kind of the story of the guys in this class is that there's some guys who will be productive third and fourth line players, maybe a third pairing defenseman or two. But aside from Moldenhauer, there isn't a guy who you're pointing at and being like, this guy is going to be an impact player next year. Um, So they might look in the portal more than they had before, depending on who stays and who goes. Like if you get Fantilli back, your top two centers are Fantilli and Nazar. And then you have, Moldenhauer, Brindley, McGroarty, Duke, Flank, and those guys. I don't know if you really need a whole lot. Um, <clears throat> what would what would if, you bring back out of the like some of the old guys? I know like Granowitz is in the portal, and Pearson's in the portal, and uh, who else was it? Oh, Ciccolini. But like, I mean, guys... I br- if you if you, I would bring back Ciccolini. I like him as a third third liner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Granowitz, I could kind of take or leave. I kind of feel like it's you know Draper and Lapointe's turn to to have that fourth line role yeah. um 
And then Pearson, uh, I mean, if you get Seedham out of the portal, I don't really see that you need a, whole, a huge role for him. Because if you get Karanen back, I think he's a really solid third-pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm. And then you just got to find one more guy. Personally, I've never been a huge fan of of Pearson's game. Um, I'm uh, He's solid, but I don't think he's a guy who you would miss a whole lot if he ended up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, we got a nice preview for for next year. Really, it's uh, it's the Fantilli watch. <laughs> it's amazing what what it's. Well, like I, I think team. they'll be a decent, a good team next year, even without Fantilli. But with Fantilli, he he's a huge difference maker. It, well, it, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's the best the Ho- player in college hockey. Yeah, so. if you get the Hobie Baker winner yeah. back, and like this is a this is a draft eligible player, right? Mm-hmm. Right. How much better is he going to be next year? It'll be insane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not getting my hopes up, yeah. but I'm getting my hopes up a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, even without Fantilli, and I think that's the most likely outcome here. Okay. They'll, they'll be a good team. They'll make the tournament. Right. But you're saying there's a chance. I am saying there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, if I think he's going to end up with the Blackhawks, or I think there's a good chance of that, and and anything with the Blackhawks is just. And keep no. in mind, just making the tournament is all you need to do. Like the national champ, the the, the playoff yeah. is so ridiculous that at that point it's just plinko. Well, I mean, we say that, but the last couple of years there's been a distinct separation. So last year's Frozen Four was Denver, Minnesota, and a very good UMD team. Mm-hmm. This year's Frozen Four was Michigan, Minnesota. Quinnipiac, a very good Quinnipiac yeah. team and BU. So the the Plinko, I and believe me, I'm a full believer in the Plinko stuff. But the last couple of years, it has been like these are the best teams who happen to be in the Frozen Four, which has been nice. Uh, well, I guess it hasn't been nice. But not yeah. like even but even though like once you get to the Frozen Four, I, I think that is there actually has been a a greater difference between like the bottom teams. Like you saw. The Big Ten just absolutely dominate in the yeah. early rounds this year, and I think that's because. But like when you, those teams are just so much better. I think there's been a, a bigger gap growing between those, um, you know, the the bottom East teams that just kind of always make the tournament, and then you know, even like the Penn State, Ohio State level in the Big Ten has just gotten well, that much better. I mean, if you look at the hockey coaches in the Big Ten, they're all good now, mm-hmm. like, pending what Wisconsin does, right? Like Adam Nightingale immediately coach, made. I thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Adam Nightingale immediately made Michigan State competitive. He's got a couple of really interesting guys out of the portal, including a first-round pick guys he used to use to coach at the national team. You got Oseki at Ohio State, who I think is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have I forget Penn State's coach uh, Guazdecki. Uh, I think he's excellent. I mean, you got Jeff Jackson at Notre Dame. You got Matsko at, at Minnesota. Like honestly. <laughs> Yeah. This is, I mean, it is a killer lineup. So not only do you have all the talent coming into the Big Ten, which is going to continue, but uh, I mean, who's the worst coach in the league? I can't answer that. Yeah. yeah. All right, bro. So let's let's take an opportunity to a break as a segue. You want to break as a segue, Ira, to get over into basketball, where it's been a flurry of portal activity. Uh, there have been some uh, some. You know, when you talk about high ranking coming out of high school, uh, obviously Namari Burnett, but Caleb Love uh, was a was a star of their tournament run back in uh, back in 22 was obviously looked upon as one of the reasons for the 
They flailed last year in in Chapel Hill. Trey Jackson, I think, is a sneaky good pick we'll talk about. And they're still uh, pursuing guys in the portal. And then there's still the question. What does the future hold for Hunter Dickinson? We will tackle all of that when we come back on the other side. More MGO Vlog Roundtable here on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA, the ticket. Clear on the radio. Yeah, so what I'm told with, mm-hmm. with Hunter is he, at least one of the collectives, I'm told, is supposed to be making him a pitch next week. And I, I heard, so I know one is. I heard a second one uh, may be talking to him next week as well, but I haven't confirmed that yet. What What's clear to me, though, is in the program, they don't think it's a done deal that Hunter's gone. And clearly, uh, on the collective side of things, there's a belief that he can be enticed to to stay. So. And you know. I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I read an article and I, yeah, I have no idea how legitimate these articles are about Blake Corum getting well into the six figures uh, because of Bose. Apparently Bose Audio is 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 paying Corum and two or three other corporations are think, paying is Corum. It, is it? JJ on Bose too. I think JJ might be on Bose yeah, as well. Okay. Both of them are. <clears throat> both of them are yeah. basically doing all the same deals because we've gotten okay. a couple of their uh, their ads come through before. Uh, I, uh, the uh, like marketing VP of Apple followed me at some point. Yeah, and I was I like looked him up, and I'm like, "That's a Michigan fan. Let's get on it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go." Well, uh, you know, too, Brian. I said the same thing. I'm like, "Wait." This looks like a good guy to know for NIL. (laughs) Yeah, I I think uh, this is, I I wouldn't be so presumptuous as to say it's the only reason why Hunter's in there. But we've talked to him enough to know his opinions on NIL and his opinions on NILs, uh, how it factors into the transfer portal. So I don't think there's any question he is assessing his market value. And... Uh, it's going to be Michigan being in the game will be okay. Well, what do you come in addition to, I imagine he's also looking at what, who will I be playing with? I, I think they, their feeling has been boosted uh, feeling about uh, the hopefulness about getting him to return has been boosted by they've actually had some, some pieces that they brought in. They think they, he'll find appeal. All so. right. Pronounce, pronounce the Tennessee forest name. Kamwa. Olivier Kamwa. Yes. Okay. Olivier Kamwa. I had to do what? that too. Why is that guy transferring? He started I said the for. Same <laughs> I said the same thing. Did you watch him in a Duke game? Like no, man, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I just looked him up and I was like, okay, this guy's probably like getting ten minutes a game. And I'm like, no, no, he's a starter for the number sixteen in Kempom. And I was like, he's also like one of their higher usage players. Like the top usage than, player. He's the top of the list yeah. in Kempom. You know, well, the other thing, which metric you're using, yeah. but yeah, the other thing about Tennessee is they're the number one defensive team. Yes. On yeah. And like, we, and, were talk- yeah. we were talking about this is like this. Remember when Michigan had Wagner and liver surrounding uh, Dickinson and they were a top 10 defense in the country. Right. I mean, if they get pronounce it again, Kamwa. If they get Kamwa and they got Love and Burnett, and I mean, that's Burnett, like, is, Burnett can play defense. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is mm-hmm. like now you're super athletic, and the mm-hmm. fact that Hunter isn't the best defender in the world doesn't really matter nearly as much. Yeah, absolutely right. So I mean, it it looks like maybe Jawan's theory is all right. We're we're going defense, 
And and I think that might be behind the the Burnett uh, grabbing Burnett, even though he's had a sort of checkered uh, career at this point. He's, and, he's just been hurt the whole time. Like. Well, that's right. He's been hurt twice. He sat out a year. Back uh, on radio in about 20 seconds, guys. But and, you know, I don't think he's probably a great offensive player, um, but he is a good athlete and he can play defense. Uh, and so. It's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, we have to talk about Trey Jackson too, because yeah, that's he's, very and he's an intriguing. And by guys we'll coming back on radio. All right. So I know that the Michigan coaching staff is hoping that Hunter Dickinson thinks it's a great time to get back on board with them uh, in the aftermath of some portal pickups in their pursuit of at least one more portal edition. But let's let's start off, fellas, with talking about the uh the more recent additions. I think we talked a little bit about Namari Burnett already, but but Caleb Love and Trey Jackson in the fold. Your reaction to those two pieces, Brian Cook? Well, uh, they're interesting. Uh, Trey Jackson, I think, got played out of position last year. That's correct. Uh, he was he was pretty good for Seton Hall. Not what was it Seton Hall? Seton Hall. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty good for Seton Hall last year. Uh, the previous year. And then he was forced to play the five for them as in sort of a backup role for a lot of his minutes, which is not his, his game. Okay. He's uh he, he's a horrible post defender. Um, <laughs> but if you put him at the four where he was much of his junior year, like over the past two years, he's shot 121 threes at a 38% clip. He's got some game inside the arc. He's a good free throw shooter. And, um, when he's not asked to defend a center, he's actually a pretty good defensive rebounder. Now, turnovers are a little bit high. He's not providing you a whole lot in terms of blocks, despite being 6'10". Not a huge help defender, um, but pretty efficient um, and looks like a guy who could really help out at the four. Uh, Caleb Love. Don't run pick and roll with Caleb Love. <laughs> that's That's it. Like... Get him in situations <laughs> where he can either catch and shoot or attack a closeout, and you're good. Don't run pick and roll with him. <laughs> or, 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 or a coach of a harder than Hubert Davis. Well, you know, I it, mean, so like he's a guy who, I mean, if he wants to rewrite his story, what his story is I'm a two guard, I'm not a combo, I'm not a point guard, right. I'm a shooting I guard. Agree. And like, if you go look at his synergy numbers, he's a pretty good spot up shooter and he's very good attacking closeouts. But when you ask him to be in a pick and roll, his numbers are abysmal. Idiot. I imagine that's because you, he, he's him in a pick and roll is he's just using the pick. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I'm shooting every time. Right. Yeah. Like, so. Well, I mean, he's a high usage guy and Michigan kind of needs that on this roster. Right. They need a guy who can go get his own, but that's what it needs to be. It needs to be like, okay, we got 10 seconds on the shot clock. They blew up our action. Go make something happen. You can't make the whole plane out of Caleb Love. Yeah. So, it's it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. And we'll, we'll talk broad brush about the difference between this sort of portal dynamic compared to portal dynamics that Michigan's had with their additions in past years. But let's start off with Trey Jackson uh, here, Craig. Yeah. Uh, he's a victim of a coaching change. Right, you, yeah. you're playing under Kevin Willard at first. He's letting you shoot threes. You're looking really good, and then Shaheen Holloway comes in, and he's asking you to do something totally different. That's one of the reasons why I think this is a sneaky good pick. You slide that dude back into the role that he played under Willard, 
And I think you've got something if you're Michigan. Yeah, he uh, uh, Brian said it right. I mean, this last year was a disaster for him. I think he he was strictly – he didn't play any at the four. He was strictly a backup center. I think he played, I don't know, 12 to 14 minutes a game as a backup center. And his prior year, his numbers are spectacular. I mean, he's uh, – 91% plus from the free throw line. He's, you know, over 50% from two. He's uh, over 38% from three. So, I mean, he, he, he was a good offensive piece at the four and he was a debacle at the five. And, and so, and I don't know what his defense really looks like. I haven't, you know, paid enough to Trey Jackson from two years ago to know what his defense looks like, <laughs> but uh but I think, you know, he, he's a completely plausible piece uh, for Michigan, who had a lot of problems, obviously, at the at the four this year. I mean, it was a, a sore spot the entire year. I In terms of for Hunter, it, if you get Hunter back or even Terrace, yeah. I think he's a really good compliment. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that is a sneaky good pick, even though I think he was number 210 in the portal. Uh, I think that, you know, they weren't looking at it. They were looking at him as a center and not as, as the position that he should be at. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's Loy Vaught, but I do think that, that there is some, something there that, that might work <laughs> out. On, on uh, Numari uh, Burnett. Burnett, you know, and I thought, well, you've got Burnett and, and Caleb Love. Aren't they both really twos? But Burnett actually this last year was, was a three, at least a third of the time at Alabama in his minutes that he did play. And so I wonder if you could use Caleb at the two, Burnett at the three, and actually actually be completely functional doing that. And I think it's possible. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that's probably the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Burnett is super long. I think somebody had him as a, as a, with a wingspan of six, nine or six, 10 or something crazy. And, and he is a good defender. He is six, four, you know, they, they could play him at the three with, with love. And that, tends to work out because Burnett seems like a kind of unselfish guy and uh you know he doesn't he isn't going to be demanding shots you and you know but the the uh, the challenge will be as Brian has pointed out making sure that Caleb Love doesn't become Chase Adige right <laughs> and, and and shooting up every piece of garbage hey, that every time he gets the ball I, I mean because but, but, but look at how they use Chase Adige and how they're uh, uh, so yeah. if you can like not have it be as extreme okay Northwestern yeah. is a good defensive team that just right. needs to score enough right and that's what Michigan, I think, is building. Trey Jackson is a good defender. Now, you try to make okay. him a five, and he just gets eaten up by centers. He's not a five. And that was his real problem. I mean, he actually can back guys down. But as a four, he's six foot ten, long wingspan, a lot of athleticism, can probably move out and guard twos. Like, that is a defender. Namari Burnett, guy played on Texas Tech. He knows how to defend. He's long. He's, you know, quick. That's an athlete. You know, Love, you know, another McDonald's All-American athlete right you're going from what we were this year which was like joey baker and hunter dickinson and will shedder on the court at the same time at, at one point to yeah. that kind of athleticism out there that's what your team is going to be they're not going to get scored on nearly as much as they were last year so now they just need to find some offense you're going to get some yeah, dog creating 
You're going to get and then get guys who can make their own shots if they do, who can attack closeouts and make threes if they're open. And that's a that's a basketball team. I want to go back to Brian's point, though, because it, it's a key when he said, don't put the dude in a pick and roll. And that's like a huge part of Michigan's <laughs> offense. Right. So so it's like, you know, do you change what you do or do you try try to change what he does? And well, this is why this is why it's so interesting to me. This you know, in the past, whether you're talking about Mike Smith and you know Devonte Jones, Shondi Brown, you know these these are transfers. Jalen Llewellyn, right? These are all guys who are just trying to play up a level. They aren't leaving something. They aren't leaving discontent or disharmony behind. It, Caleb Love is coming from a team that was in the national championship game a couple of years ago, or yeah, back in in 22. Namari Burnett is coming from a team that was number one in the country. These are dudes who are coming from situations and stepping into a place where they're coming in with expectations. So how do you manage that? If you're Jawan Howard, I mean, if you're Caleb Love, you're trying to get, hey, man, I'm getting shots. I got to get to the league. You got to corral that to the point where it fits into your team concept. So role definition going to be very, very key and kind of setting some reasonable expectations for, for these guys. And in Caleb Love's case, hey, man, look, we aren't going to make you a point guard, but you also can't be uh, you can't be a jacker. This <laughs> is what I would say. You can't be a black hole. That's what I that's what I call a dude who never passes basketball. Yeah. You know, I, who I, always I that, shoots. That can't I mean, be if you do get Hunter back, like that's a good situation for Caleb Love, right? I think those two guys fit pretty well together. Yeah, I agree. Because as a junior, when he had less pressure on him to like actually uh make all the offense happen, he was a thirty six percent shooter from three. And when he gets a spot up opportunity, whether he attacks or he uh shoots that's good situation so you put the ball in his hands and you ask him to go make a shot that's not going to happen but that kind of jet howard role where yeah he's not initiating the action but he's either given the opportunity to take a shot off some action or he's attacking a defender who's not set yeah that's that that could work better um i mean it'll be really interesting to see because i mean i i you talk about Hubert Davis not coaching him, and I'm just like, we'll see how receptive he is. Because like at this point, he's got to know that what he's currently doing is not going to get him to the NBA, right? right. And like, like and we've dude, seen if guys you can't run a pick and roll. You're not playing in the NBA. <laughs> like, well, no, that's not true. You can, I mean, you can run, you can play in the NBA. You can't run the pick and roll as long as you can shoot. And well, as, well, as long, and he is a he is a plus spot up shooter. It's just you can't see it unless you dive into the synergy numbers because it's overwhelmed by the fact that like he's like 90th percentile in the percentage of possessions he uses that are pick and roll, and he's like 20th percentile in efficiency in that. Which I mean, maybe that was something that UNC just had to do because of their composition of their team, but that looks like the worst coaching malpractice I can think of. So for me, the key to Caleb love being effective is Doug McDaniel taking a Xavier Simpson lead where Doug McDaniel is now not just occasionally flashing, but a consistent generator of shots by getting inside, collapsing the defense and then allowing other people Mm -hmm. to attack uh, a defense that is scrambling to recover. You know, along those lines, I'm really happy that the staff isn't messing with Doug 
I mean, they're, they're ha they've handed the keys over to him. And because the only other point on this team or potential point is, is uh, GW3, and he's just going to be, you know, working, working his hit into the co into a college system. And so I like that fact, the fact that, uh, that, that he has the keys to this particular car. And, uh, it seems quite sensible to me along, along those lines. Uh, but yeah, I mean, how they work Caleb Love into this offense is going to be a chore and a, it's probably <laughs> the key to the season. Incidentally, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Trey Jackson and is he, I mean, is it fair to say that maybe he could become a poor man, Xavier Tillman? I mean, is oh, that, I don't know. He, Whoa, I, I don't no, know. He no, be that kind no, of no, no, no. That was what no, they yeah, hoped yeah. he would be when he was recruited and they could not okay. put enough weight on him to make him a five. So he, he, start, he starts out at Missouri. He spends a year there. He transfers to Seton uh -huh. Hall. They think he's going to sit out, have to sit out. The NCAA declares him eligible. He plays a handful of games. But his third year is where you really start to see, mm -hmm. man, this, this could be like a guy. This could be like a, a really good dude. So, But Willard gets the job at Maryland. And uh, we had to go back to read some of the – because I wasn't following Seton Hall basketball. I just wanted to go back <laughs> and see what they were saying about – Trey Jackson heading into the season, and the expectation was coming off of his junior year that man he was going to break out. But clearly, you get in with a different coach who has a different idea of who you are or what your contribution sh should be to the team, and it really blows you up. That's why I think sliding him in here, asking him to be a stretch four man, I, and he's coming home. We didn't mention that he's coming home he's to from Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, you know that. I just think it's a recipe to be a really, really good pick. With Caleb Love, ton of talent. I think that one is going to be a real test coaching-wise about how you how you bring – if you got to coach efficiency into his game. Because clearly he doesn't have – I think what happened is he was so good on their tournament run. Like, I mean, he was so good against Duke. Uh, he was so good against UCLA. Like, you come off of that, and you're like, man, I'm going to be the man. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what they say about Baycott. I'm the guy. And he played like that last year. Now, you know, can you – can you put that into, into some, some team concept here at Michigan when on the surface he probably looks at it like, oh, man, they, they need shots taken? I can do that, right? Well, they don't just need shots taken. How do you convince them of that if you're Jawan Howard? I think it's going to be a big key. You got, you got Doug McDaniel, and I, I, I want to keep focusing on this because a guy who's a true freshman point guard who wasn't even expected to start is going to be a 20-20 guy, like 20 is a straight 20 to turnover guy. That guy almost always goes, you know, has a huge leap between his uh, freshman and sophomore year. Now it's not gonna, he's not gonna go be like a 35, 10 guy, right? He's gonna, there's, there's a progression. But if he's a 25, 15 guy, that is something that North Carolina did not have last year. And if you have someone like if Doug, and that's what he was in high school, that's what he was projected as, as a guy who can do a lot of assists, like a, a Marquise Noel from, uh, from Kansas State, right? Like that kind of guy. Uh, Wow. As you, I mean, that guy was a fifth-year <laughs> senior. Yeah. But, follow, but go back and look at that guy as a sophomore, and that was the progression, the exact progression he made. He looked like Doug Man. when he was a freshman. That's what you're talking uh, about. <laughs> well, Give me I, mean, that I hope it yeah, looks like that. You get yeah. a fifth-year senior version of Doug McDaniel, but you're not going to get that next year. No, I'm saying I mean, you're going to get a sophomore I mean, it, version of that guy. Well, if we're talking about usage, right? Like, if you do get Hunter Dickinson back, 
Caleb Love doesn't need to be a 30% usage guy. Like yeah. we were talking about earlier where it's like, you know, you need someone to like take shots on this team and Caleb Love could be that. But if you get Dickinson back, then Caleb Love doesn't have to be your guy who's like, all right, I'm going to dominate the ball. He can just be efficient, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so which which brings us it's a great segue, Brian, which brings us to, to Hunter. Uh I mentioned this on my podcast with Tim. I reached out to Hunter, asked him to come back on, and he every time I've asked him before this, he's always said yes. I think he's been on with us like four times. And Tim, independent of me, reached out to him as well. And he told him the same thing. He's like, Look, man, I'm I'm not really talking about what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just uh you know, seeing doing my due diligence is to to paraphrase. I mean, it shows you how intent he is because Hunter is no, he doesn't shy away from talking about what he's doing and, and calling things out. So what I'm taking my cues from right now is the sentiment that I'm getting from, from inside and then in past conversations with, with Hunter. Sentiment I'm getting from inside is they think there's a real shot to, uh, re- to get him to come back. I know that there is at least one collective that is planning to, uh, you know, make him some, uh, an offer. Uh, or, or a pitch or whatever you want to call whatever it is you do with a with a collective. And I heard there was talk that another may be planning to do is do the same thing. And I think that's a big deal for Hunter. I know when he was talking to us about Michigan's portal pursuits last year, he was like, look, if you aren't coming with big NIL, you aren't going to get big time players. So if you got that mindset from this vantage point that he had last year, you know, now that he's on the other side of it, that's what he's looking for when he's uh, out there talking to these other teams. And that's what it's going to take, at least in part, for Michigan to keep him, Brian. Yeah, and if Michigan gets outbid on Hunter Dickinson, what what are we we doing here? (laughs) Right? Like, what what is our whole deal? I mean, Maryland's outbid some pretty big programs for football players. Multiple, like, every once in a while, Maryland will just come in and be like, Here's a million dollars to keep a DC area guy home. They'll do that. So like it's not right. unheard of to get outbid for a guy like Hunter Dickinson because he's very valuable to a lot of teams out there. So I think including he's... Kansas, apparently. Well, I mean, I guess if Kansas does, then Kansas. I mean, they're Kansas. But yeah. I, I feel like now you have a team that you can like support Hunter Dickinson with, and like. I, if he's going, there's two reasons he's going. Is one, he's looking at the fact that Kobe Bufkin and Jet Howard are gone, and he doesn't really feel like he wants to have another bubble season in his last college year. And then it's just like, I'm probably not going to be an NBA player. I got to get some scratch here while I can. So I think Michigan can check both those boxes now. And I don't know if, I mean, they're still looking in the portal for guys too. So yeah. if they're able to get like, uh, God, <laughs> well, you said, you, you said uh, Olivier Kamwa. Kamwa. If they're able yeah. to get Kamwa, who is a starter on the number six team in the country, or Matt Cleveland out of Florida State, I mean, then you're looking like, wow, this this is something. Man, Kamwa is the one that I'm like. And granted, yeah. a, lot, a lot of my opinion is shaped on one game, and you should never do that. I know that. But he was so good against Duke, guys. I mean, I. The dude was a mid-range assassin. You mentioned Lloyd Vaught. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, he rebounds, he defends. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but the ones he does shoot, he shoots at a high clip. And he was, at least in that game, lethal in the mid-range. It was like, this guy is like the poster child for old-school 
you know, I, not every shot is a three basketball. Yeah. I was shocked that he was even in the portal. And, I don't and, know yeah. the story behind that. And what was Tennessee he's, last he's year? The number for one that defensive team. team in the country. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I mean, you can get that guy. You're, you're, I mean, you don't even need Hunter back at that point. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like him back, but you get that guy and you're like, oh, we're, we're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> hey, I have a question. I mean, what it, I've heard some rumblings that maybe Papa Conte yeah. uh, it may not actually show up. I mean, is that dependent on Hunter? Or is that you have so, any no, I, noise I, on that? So my my understand he has some. Um, there are some hurdles to to clear for him. It sounds okay. like on the uh, on the academic side. I, I mean, you you tend to see that with with some of the foreign transplants. Okay, uh, from time to time, and so uh, I don't know if he will be in the class. But here, here's what I do know: that even if he makes it. They're chasing. I mean, this is not something a reaction to Papa Conte and the uncertainty there. The recruitment of Olivier Kamwa, right? There was even some talk about uh, Yuan Treor uh, and trying. I know there's yeah. been contact with Yuan, but uh, they they it hadn't progressed like it, it, they aren't as far down the runway with him. Like they've had to zoom with Kamwa and the the prison, the whole pitch. They hadn't done that yet with with Yuan Treor, and that, as far as I can tell is totally independent of what happens with Papa. Somehow, somewhere they feel like they can find space, you know, to to fit. Even if Papa comes, they can grab one of these other guys too. Now, you know, Hunter coming back, does that, does that change or make things more complicated? I imagine it does, but I, they, they got to be planning for that too, right? They, they think that there's a chance he comes back. So has to be taken into account uh, in their numbers when they go after these other guys. Getting back to what we said, though, Kamwa, you get Kamwa, and, man, I, I'm i taking them all, and I'm figuring it out, Brian. Yeah. I, and I got into this conversation with, with Tim, and he was like, man, I don't know that you, you if you're getting Hunter back, if you can really bring in another one of these other guys. And I understand this sentiment saying that, hey, it's too many guys. You just recruited Trey Jackson. You know, what, what, are you, what message are you sending to him if you go grab Kamwa on top of Hunter coming back. Uh, my message is I'm putting as many good players on my team as possible and figuring it out after that. I wonder if you think that that's too naive uh, an approach to take. I mean, uh, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get what he's saying. I understand what he's saying. I just don't think Michigan can be in the position of turning down talent if talent wants to come. Yeah, that's and, kind of what I say the thing too. It's like they're they're in the portal. They're gonna put together a team. <laughs> yeah. If you can get a starter from a top ten team, you gotta do it. And you're gonna tell Trey Jackson is like we got we got minutes for you at the four and three, and you're gonna play. And I mean, you can use him at the five too, as long as you're not nope. using him against. Uh, like, I, 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 have, I would, I would rather do that with him. I would rather do that with Kamwa, but you got yeah. Terrence Reed still in there. I mean, yeah. look, guys' minutes are going to go down. Trey Jackson, look, man, we're going to win. Your, your minutes are going to go down. T-Will, yeah, captain, but sorry, pal. I mean, you you still have a role on the team, but it's just going to be a few. A few less, depending on how things work out in practice. We're not just going to give guys roles. They I have mean, to earn them, but t Will's I'm not going to turn away competition. <laughs> what, what role he played in them yeah. being a bubble team this year, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, because he was mis look, he he was miscast. Yeah. And I'm not 
that's not a criticism because I thought I thought he was ready for a bigger role too. I was wrong. They were wrong. That's not a great fit for him. But I still think he can be a contributor on his team in a role more like the one he played as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that might not be the the best. Um, that might, might not be what he has in mind from a men's perspective. But that's what makes Michigan the best team it could be if you can get an Olivier Conway in here. I saw this stat, uh, and I can't vouch for it, but it came from some site or some place that seemed reliable. And it was, of the 40th youngest NCAA teams last year, one made the tournament. One of the 40th youngest. Of the 73 oldest teams, 31 made the tournament. And so does it make sense to be in the transfer portal and going after older guys if you don't have those guys within your program? Well, I think maybe it does. Mm-hmm. And uh, because that's what that's what seems to lead to success. Right, so shout out to Seth. Jenny said, Doug is amazing. Looking forward to, to next year. I, I said something, I, you know, to me, uh, you said, I think it was you, Seth, who said that the message that he sent in is clear that, you know, Dougie is going to be the guy. That doesn't mean he's the best player. But I'm handing the keys to the team. I'm saying this is your team. You aren't the best guy. You aren't the guy that we're going to clear out for every time down the floor. But if I'm Juwan, I'm like, look, Dougie is going to be my coach on the floor kind of thing. And, and we'll we'll play off of that. He's, he's not going to be need a shot. We're going to give Caleb Love. He's, yeah. Yeah. Like, it, he's not going to be a true freshman point guard anymore. Yeah. That leap is a huge one for your efficiency, for everybody else's efficiency. Go and look at every single sort, every single point guard by 5'8". Look at his freshman year to sophomore uh, transition. When that guy need, can see the floor and understands what's going on, you saw the transition for Doug over the course of the year. It's a huge jump. Yeah, you're going to have to coach that. You're going to have to coach that into the squad, give Dougie that confidence, and tell all the new guys, okay, fellas, you know, this this my quarterback. So, you know, we'll see how it goes, man. It's going to be a fun thing to watch always fun with the roundtable crew mgoblog.com of course we got to be out of here we'll be back tomorrow on the michigan insider on sports talk 1050 wtk the ticket the official voice of the university of michigan sports ann arbor accumulus station